The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or Cubist, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence. I'm your host today, Amanda Gano. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Donald Marion. Dr. Marion is a neurosurgeon and TBI consultant at TBI COE. Don and I will discuss a study entitled Differences Between Men and Women in Treatment and Outcomes After Traumatic Brain Injury by Anna McCulloch and colleagues and published in the Journal of Neurotrauma in October of 2020. In addition, we welcome a special guest, Colonel Jen Gurney, Chair of the Defense Committee on Trauma, DCOT, who will provide her views of the implications of this study for deployed women in the military. Colonel Gurney was deployed eight times during the Afghanistan War. Welcome, Colonel Gurney. Thanks so much, Amanda and Dr. Marion, for having me today. And thank you very much for being here. Um, so I'm looking forward to discussing this article with you both today. Uh, Colonel Gurney, would you uh, mind talking just a little bit about why gender differences are an important issue in the U.S. military? Yeah, sure. Well, I think, Amanda, if you, I mean, it doesn't take, you don't have to look very far to see things in social media or literature that discuss gender differences. I think that looking at gender differences, you also have to look at the flip side of the coin, which is gender equality. And I think that the military has actually done as much as they can in many ways. You know, women have been involved in combat operations in the military for decades, and they have fought and died alongside men for years. I try to focus on gender equality instead of gender differences. You know, obviously you have to take into account in the deployed environment, there's going to be different needs for care. I mean, men have uh, urologic issues and women have urologic and potentially gynecologic. Also, when you look at protection, there might be some differences in body armor to get better injury prevention uh, and and protection from injury. But I think that in a lot of things, the military has looked at gender equipoise. If you look at our new, at least in the army, our new physical fitness test, there's really no difference in scoring between men and women. And women have been able to join different units in the military based on their skills and based on their competencies. And so I, I appreciate the fact that in many ways, at least in the army, and I'm sure it's the same for the other services, that they've looked at women's skill sets and how women can add to the fight instead of focusing on what makes them less able to add to whatever skill set or fight is going on at the time. But I think that in, you could talk to different people and get lots of different opinions. I think the military's really made a, an effort to narrow that gap with gender inequality. As a surgeon in the military, I've got to say, in the units that I've been in, both in garrison and the deployed environment, I haven't seen much of it. So either I've been lucky or I myself am very biased and blind to it. But uh, either way, I think that compared to some areas in the civilian sector, I think that we've made a fair bit of progress. So, Amanda, if I could just jump in, um, I would point out that um, 16.5% of all active duty service members were women in 2018, and even higher proportion, or nearly 20% of officers were women. If memory serves, Amanda, you were a naval officer around that time. Yeah, Don, that, you know, that's correct. And I'm really happy to hear those comments by Colonel Gurney. And I do agree. I'm happy with the steps that the military has taken toward gender equity. Um, and I do think this is an important issue to talk about and for military providers to keep in mind as well. Um, so, Don, what were the key findings of this study? 
in a very large prospective European longitudinal study of TBI with uh, over 4,000 adults, of whom 33% were women, there were significant differences in the acute care pathways and outcomes between men and women. For example, Amanda, women with mild TBI were less likely to be admitted to the intensive care unit. Women with moderate and severe TBI had a shorter hospital stay. At six months after their injury, women had poorer outcomes with lower Glasgow Outcome Scale Extended Scores, or GOSE, and more severe post-concussion symptoms and more severe depression and anxiety. Uh, this was especially true for women under the age of 45 and older than 65. Women with mild TBI were significantly less likely to work or to return to work at six months after their injury. Interesting, Don. So this study included all injury severity categories, mild, moderate, and severe in this large cohort. But how did the investigators explain the differences in gender outcomes? Well, Amanda, the main differences related to mild traumatic brain injury care were attributed to lower injury severities in the women, possibly because of the different and presumably less severe injury mechanisms and better recovery in the women. But the possibility of gender bias cannot be discounted, Amanda. For example, it is well known from other studies that women tend to self-report more symptoms and are more likely than men to seek medical help when needed. So one might have expected women to have longer hospital stays and more frequent ICU admissions. And how was the study done? The study patients were those enrolled in the prospective longitudinal multicenter collaborative European Neurotrauma Effectiveness Research in Traumatic Brain Injury Study, or the Center TBI Study. This longitudinal study is in many ways similar to the TRAC TBI study in the U.S., Data were collected from December 2014 to December 2017 in 63 European centers. Patients were admitted with a clinical diagnosis of TBI and had to have presented within 24 hours of their injury. Patients were excluded if they had any pre-existing neurological disorder that could confound their assessment. CT scans were obtained in all patients within 24 hours of their injury. All patients were scheduled for six-month follow-up. The outcomes assessed at six months included the GOSE, return to work, the Rifermead post-concussion symptoms questionnaire, the patient health questionnaire, the generalized anxiety disorder 7 item scale, the PCL5, and the two health-related quality of life measures. Among the 4,195 patients enrolled, 68% had a mild traumatic brain injury, and the remainder had moderate to severe TBI. Falls were the most common cause of mTBI for both men and women, though the proportion of falls was significantly higher for women. Men with mild traumatic brain injury had significantly higher ISS scores, lower GCS scores, and had a higher percentage of epidural hematomas. The most frequent cause for moderate to severe TBIs was motor vehicle accidents for both sexes. Women had a significantly higher proportion of psychiatric disorders prior to any TBI and were in worse physical health prior to mild traumatic brain injury. And what were the limitations of this study? Uh, great question, Amanda. There was a big problem with getting patients to return for six-month follow-up. In the mild traumatic brain injury group, only 54% of the men and 56% of the women received one or more of the PCS or mental health assessments. 
In the moderate to severe group, 36% of the men and 41% of the women had one or more of the six-month assessments, though it should be noted that 26% of the moderate to severe group had died usually soon after their injury. There is variability of healthcare and of care pathways for TBI among the 63 European centers, as well as gender equality and access to healthcare. As might be expected, countries with more traditional and restrictive gender norms tend to have larger inequities in healthcare and intention to self-report following a TBI. This limits the ability to generalize the findings of the study to other geopolitical groups, such as the U.S. and more specifically, the U.S. military. Yeah, I agree. I think that's true. Um, Colonel Gurney, do you think you could comment on how the findings of this study might impact acute care decisions for injured service members in far forward austere locations, particularly for female service members? Yeah, sure. And uh, thanks, Amanda. And Dr. Marion, really nice summary of the study. And I'd say that right now, with the data that this study has put forward, that it wouldn't. I don't think that this study in particular should impact how far forward care is delivered. However, I think that we do need to continuously assess our outcomes in the far forward care environment, which is actually really hard. It requires every single person that takes care of trauma patients to document their findings, to get their documentation back to the joint trauma system, and to put it through the PI process so we can act, provide trauma care delivery, learn from our experiences, and then adjust the findings. And as Dr. Marion knows, there's a huge uh, TBI registry that we've been working on to really look at long-term outcomes. But I think when you look at this data, when you look at the pre-existing conditions that these patients had going into the study, that the U.S. military population is going to be much healthier, isn't it? It's unlikely going to have all those pre-existing conditions. And then I think that when you look at follow-up, more women presenting uh, with issues in our patient population, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. But I think that this study is more hypothesis generating and it's demonstrating that there might be, this study might have some biases as well, but that there might be some gender dimorphism with injury recovery, not just with TBI, but with other injuries as well. But until we can really look at it, we have an incredible opportunity with our trauma system. We have a trauma system along the entire continuum of care using clinical documentation, getting it to the joint trauma system, being sure that it goes into the Department of Defense Trauma Registry and giving clinicians and researchers the opportunity to then look at outcomes and understand if there are differences and then really understand how we can improve care in an austere environment and along the entire continuum. Maybe the place to improve the care is the rehab phase. Maybe there's some risk factors for people who should even be in the deployed environment, not just for women, but for men too. So um, I would say that this study is more hypothesis generating for the deployed environment. It would not impact anything that I would do differently. I just don't think that the data is strong enough to extrapolate to the military population, but it underscores the importance of continuing to look at clinical data and clinical outcomes to improve our care delivery in the deployed and in the garrison environment. Yeah, I completely agree, Colonel Gurney. And collecting that big data in an austere environment is oftentimes very challenging. Um, but it's nice to hear that we have those databases and we're moving in the right direction in terms of studying this a little bit more in depth. Um, so Don, what were the key takeaways of this article? 
Um, so first, and for the reasons I just mentioned, I think we need to be careful not to assume too much about gender bias with the healthcare provided to women in the U.S. military based on this European study and, and of course, based on the uh, very astute and uh, in-depth comments that Colonel Gurney just made. The study does, however, highlight that women experience prolonged post-concussive depression and anxiety more frequently than men in this European study. Uh, I think it is important for primary care providers to inquire about mental health and satisfaction with life in both men and women with persistent post-concussion symptoms. I would emphasize that gender differences with these problems have not been universally observed in U.S. cohorts including blast-exposed service members. I think it is also important for deployed forces to be aware of the possible gender bias exposed by this study, and especially those troops deployed to countries with more restrictive gender norms, because it is not uncommon for injured service members uh, to receive acute care at host nation medical facilities. Colonel Gurney, I think you might disagree with that. Well, you know, no, I don't disagree with that. I do think it is uncommon for U.S. service members in the current CENTCOM environment, so Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria, U.S. service members are not going to local hospitals in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria. They, in, in Kuwait, they sometimes might, depending on the capability. But I think when you look at any future operating environment, there is a potential that host nation facilities that might have different potential gender biases that service members would get cared for at. But I think right now, in the current operational environment, obviously we're not in Afghanistan anymore, but in the rest of CENTCOM. And then I think that the rest of your conclusions, I completely agree with that we have to take this with a grain of salt. But one of the biggest conclusions for uh, not gender differences, but every gender should be asked this, after they've experienced a traumatic event, especially in the deployed environment and potentially like lost friends or risk to life, even if the injury is mild. You know, I'm a surgeon, so I don't really think about mental health as much as some other providers, but holy cow, we've got to. Every time I see suicide statistics or statistics of depression for men and women, we've just got to be more cognizant of that and totally get rid of the stigma that goes along with it. We all have stigmas when it comes to mental health issues. And we've got to get past that because one of the results from this study was more depression in women. And maybe that's just because women are more likely to admit that. But I certainly seen plenty of mental health challenges in male patients. And granted, more of our patients in the military happen to be male. So that could also be biased. But I think we just got to ask those questions. Again, I think there are likely gender differences in response to trauma and injury. And I don't know if we fully understand those, but continuing to look at it, whether it's something that is social or is literally genetic in the genome. So if it's genotypic or phenotypic, we still got to look for that, look for ways to improve care for all the patients. We've got to recognize our own biases as providers, and we've got to recognize our own biases in the healthcare system. But again, going back to trying to be a data-driven healthcare system that looks at all the documentation. You know, there was a study that's come out recently about different outcomes, depending if it's a male or female provider. I think you can find bias in all of these things, but trying to be as data-driven as possible, putting things to the performance improvement cycle, really looking at best practices and guidelines development. I guess in my final thought is mental health was mentioned a couple of times in this is we've just got to be more aware of it. We can't be afraid to ask those questions and we've got to get rid of any stigmas that 
after any type of trauma, if somebody's suffering from mental health, is just as bad as suffering from physical injuries. And I think sometimes we as providers can be a little bit blinded or biased to that. So we've got to get better there. Those are all excellent points. Thank you so much, Colonel Gurney, for being with us today. And thank you, Dr. Marion. Um, that's all we have time for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Amanda Gano. It is a product of the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, a division of the Research and Engineering Directorate of the Defense Health Agency, led by Branch Chief Captain Scott Coda, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode.